sing those words a thousand times over and wouldn't be enough. And uh, we just want to continue to elevate that sentiment to you. And just in light of God, just uh, the moment that we find ourselves here in 2020 with so much going on this week, so much uh, going on this year with cases of coronavirus continuing to surge, with, uh, with people uh, sick in our own country, people dying, uh, with the polarization that we've seen politically this past week and really these past months, God, we just thank you that in light of all of that, that you are constant. And because you are constant, God, we can be confident. And so, God, we want to meet with you this morning. We want to continue to come together as a group of people that doesn't just sing those words, but believes those words. God, you're so good. And so, God, continue to unify us, continue to uh, bring us together in your name, a people uh, brought together and really bought by the blood of Christ. And we thank you for the reality of the cross, and we thank you that because of the cross, despite our circumstances, we have victory in you, we have confidence in you, we have hope in you, and that's what we're going to lean into this morning, God, and we look forward to meeting with you in your word, open our hearts, convict us, challenge us this morning, in Jesus' name we all pray, amen. Well, we noticed this past couple weeks, um, a strange occurrence was happening in our house, we couldn't figure out exactly what was happening, all we noticed was that uh, items were missing in our home, like just out of nowhere, things that we knew exactly where we put them, they weren't there any longer, and we're like, what is going on? And so it was a range of items from toys to clothes to shoes, you name it, stuff was just like missing, and we're like, great, we, we bought a haunted house, I don't know what's going on here, until we started to kind of explore more like where these items were ending up, and we, we went into the restroom, and this is what we found. It was piling up over and over again, and we'd clear the items out, and they'd be, be right back there. And I had bought these new pair right here of hiking boots, and, and one day I walk into the bathroom, and there's one of them right there in the toilet. I'm like, all right, somebody is up to something, like something's going on here. And uh, you know, it wouldn't believe, like, the kinds of things. And interestingly enough, too, in our house, we have a lot of boys, which means that that water is typically not clean water. And so the stuff that's going in there is not a good place for that stuff uh, to go. And one time I went in there, was an entire pile of clothes. It was just like right from the like laundry, like into the, like jammed into the toilet. Like, what is going on here? And so as we kind of assumed and imagined, and the worst one by far was Jess's cell phone, which ended up in the toilet, and uh, her iPhone. And after we had kind of seen that happening, we saw this little blonde-haired guy uh, making his way away from the scene of the crime, and we're like, knew it. He's the culprit the whole time. I know he looks cute, uh, but he is awfully ornery, too. And so he has been just, this has been his new thing. It's like his favorite thing is like, the toilet looks fun, and your stuff's just going in there over and over again. Like every time we have to like lock the doors, but he can figure out a way, like that's the, the place that he's going. And so he's having a great time with that. But needless to say, I can't trust that kid with anything of value. I just can't. You know, you can't turn your back for, for a second and he's going to be in there. And I like to say that it's just him, but really, when you live in a house of boys, it's all of them. You can't trust any of them with anything valuable. And just this past week, um, he's not the only one in our family. I, I, I ran over Aiden's bike with my truck because he parked it right on the driveway, directly behind my truck. And so in the dark, you know, in the high, I couldn't see it. And so I'm like all of a sudden dragging something through the yard, and I'm like, what is, I couldn't even get it out. It was so jammed up underneath there, and he was upset about that. 
Uh, we lost a drone that I was excited to give him on his birthday. I'm like, I think he could probably handle this. Like, he th I think he's, this would be a good gift for him. And he enjoyed it. And literally one day, and that drone just, like, disappeared. It wasn't in the toilet, by the way. But it, it was just gone. And uh, so I, I kind of feel like this a little bit around my house from time to time. You know, guys, this is why, you know, we say this as parents. Your parents said it to you, and now I'm sorry. This is why we can't have nice things. Like, it's just we, we just can't have nice things things. And as a parent, you learn that just because you want to entrust your kids with something doesn't mean you should entrust your kids with something, right? This is a process of trust that is built over uh, the years. And my hope is that over time, I will be able to entrust them with more and more. But I'm not like handing Aiden the keys to my truck anytime soon and saying, hey, buddy, like just, you know, be careful with it, right? Because trust is something that's earned. And that's one of the biggest differences, really, when you think about the difference between love and trust. Uh, love is not earned, it's given. I love those kids regardless. They can stuff all of my stuff in the toilet, right? And I still love them, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to trust them, right? Trust is something, on the other hand, that's earned. It's built. It's established over time. And I really want to set up an idea for you today as we talk about this idea of being all in and really uh, entrusting, both entrusting uh, our lives to God, but in turn then allowing God to entrust us uh, because these two are connected. So we're really talking about this idea of trust today. Uh, but what if I told you that God wants to entrust you with more? I mean, what, what if I told you, and maybe this isn't a revolutionary idea for you, but what if God really his desire was for all of us as individuals to entrust us with more? And you might think about that, he might entrust you with more resources or more financial, um, you know, ability or whatever it might be, but it's way broader than that, it's way bigger than that. God wants to entrust you with more in so many areas when it comes to our opportunities, when it comes to the relationships, right, and the depth of the relationships. I believe that our God wants to entrust us with more. He wants to entrust his children with more. But we, we have a responsibility with everything that we're given, right, and an expectation with all of that we're given to be trustworthy with it, right, to become more trustworthy so that God can then in turn entrust us with more. And so there's this cycle that exists. And Jesus talks about this cycle in Luke 16, 10 through 13, and he's talking about money specifically. He's talking about finan our finances, and in Luke 16, 10 through 13, he tells this parable, and he really brings it to this conclusion where he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be entrusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. It's a pretty straightforward principle, but here's the point that he's making. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, how will one trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So at the end of the day, only one of those two things can be our master, either God or money, God or success, God or family. I mean, you fill in the blank, right? We can only have one master. And the point that Jesus is making here is that God wants to trust us, but we, de we, we can demonstrate our own trustworthiness in the way that we trust him. And so there's really two ends to the spiritual spectrum. There's those that trust in God and are thus entrusted by God, and there's those, on the other hand, that um, trust in fill in the blank and are not entrusted by God. 
And so at the end of the day, he has to be our master. He has to rule over us. And the way that we deal financially, the way we deal with our stuff, the way we deal with our resources, the things that he has given us already demonstrates whether or not we can and should be entrusted with more. And the more that we trust in God, the more that he entrusts us. So assuming that this is a desire, that this is an area that you want to continue to grow, that that God desires to give you more and you want to see God continue to bring more into your life and entrust you with more, the question that we're talking about today is, who is it that God entrusts with more? When we look at the Bible, when we look at those that God has entrusted the, the most to, and how then do we demonstrate our trust to God? And how can we show ourselves to be trustworthy? And so uh, we're going to look back at this passage that we've been looking at in Timothy. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Timothy 6. And we're looking at a little segment of this scripture here in verse 6, 17 through 18. I'm going to read that, and then we're going to pull some principles out here um, of of some advice that, that Paul is giving Timothy in terms of how he is to coach and teach those who are rich in this present age. And just to kind of clarify, that's all of us. I mean, when we're talking about this moment that we live in, this country that we live in, all that we have, all of us fall into this category. So we'll just get that out of the way first and foremost. All of us, this text applies to. So Timothy 6, 17, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and generous and willing to share. And so the first, the first thing that, that we have to do if we want to continue to position ourselves to be entrusted more is to live gratefully. You see, there's a perspective that exists here that it is God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That God is the one who is so good, just like we sung about, that we believe that, that we trust in that, and that ultimately it is him who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And it seems simple, but our primary task, if we want to be entrusted by God, is to receive everything that we receive with gratitude. Are we grateful? Are we living gratefully? I mean, isn't that the kind of person that you'd love to give more to if you have the opportunities, the one who's grateful for it, the one who receives the things that you give them with gratitude? And as we look at this Timothy passage, um, again, who is it that richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment? Who is it? It's God. God is the source of all of our provision. This is easy to forget. I was, uh, my first uh, pastoring gig was uh, at a a small little church in Sadieville, Kentucky, um, and it's called Sadieville Christian Church, and uh, I was the student pastor at that, uh, at that church, and it was a really cool, fun thing to do. And really, the interesting thing was there was like probably 10 students in the entire, not just church, but town. And so uh, you did things a little bit differently, um, and I just decided one day I'm going to take them all to a baseball game. And so we went to the Lexington Legends game. It was just a great experience. Um, they had an awesome time. And um, one of them got this, like, baseball. I didn't realize it, but he had gotten this, like, baseball, and he would gotten it signed um, in, in, with a bunch of, like, the players, and he was really excited about that. And we were so excited, like, leaving the game that we were like, let's go play some baseball ourselves. And so we got one out to a little park there in Sadieville, Kentucky, and I thought, like, this is a great opportunity to school these boys on 
some baseball, you know, like show them. So I should probably bat first, you know, so they see how it's done. And so they got one of y'all pitch to me. And so they line up and they throw this pitch and, you know, they a couple bad pitches. Like, all right, you know, like let's find the strike zone here at least. And so finally they, they pitched me one right down the middle. And I just like, I lined up and I took a step into it and boom, just crushed this ball. I'm like, you don't pitch me down the middle. Like I, you know, I don't know. Like, and it's just, this ball is just soaring out. It's like probably the best hit I've ever had in my life. And it just goes soaring way out into the woods, way out into this creek area. And I'm just like, I'm just having fun with them. You know, I'm like, I'm strolling around the bases. And like, they all of a sudden were like really upset. I'm like, what's going on? And the guy's like, that's the baseball that I got signed at the baseball game. And I'm like, now I feel awful. You know, I was like, well, why? It's like the sand a lot. Like, why'd you use that ball? Like, you know, like we, couldn't we have used it? I had no idea. And so I'm like, I felt bad. I'm like, now I got to go get this baseball. And so I go jogging down the road, and I got to get down into this thick, you know, brush and get down and figure out where this ball was out in the middle of this area. And as soon as I jump over this barricade from the highway, from the road into the, the woods, I'm just landing, and I'm kind of like stumbling and kind of falling because it's like, it's like an embankment. And so then I'm like, I get up, though, and all of a sudden I feel really weird. Like, there's stuff on me, and I can't figure out what it is. And all of a sudden I realize I kind of rake my hands through my it's bees, like a lot of bees, and I'm like, I just get back up, and I just, my instinct is just get out of here, so I'm like stumbling back up the hill, I jump back over the barricade, I'm running down, and I'm just swatting like, like this, like the whole way down the road, and I just can't even imagine how this scene looks as there's just like this swarm of bees up and around me, and I'm just brushing them off, and interestingly, I got like all the way back, the bees are off of me, and I arrive back to the kids, and I'm, I'm like breathing, I was like, did you guys see that? Like, and the amazing thing was I didn't get stung one time. Like, I'm like, it's a miracle. I, I don't, these were just like calm bees. They were just hanging out with me. Like, and they had no idea what, but like nobody stung me. And I was like, this is really, really exciting. But when I got back to the guys, as much as I was excited about the miracle, the one thing that they asked me, what do you think that it was? Did you get the ball? I'm like, what are you guys talking about the ball? Like, I just, we just, you just saw a miracle. Like, I didn't get stung one time, right? But that is where their head was at, right? They totally missed this incredible moment that they'll never see again in their life, and they were worried about the ball. Now, I use that story to kind of tee up this idea that I think we all do the same thing in one way or another. And when we think about all of the misfortune of 2020, what we do is we miss God's provision, we're so focused on that one thing, we're so singular focused that we miss what God is doing in the middle of 2020 in light of all the difficulty of 2020. We focus instead on what hasn't happened in our lives, right? What opportunity hasn't come along yet, that thing that I've been, and we focus and we fixate on that, but we miss all of the things that God is doing right here and right now in our lives. We focus on the negative, we miss the positive, we focus on what we don't have, and we don't fully enjoy what we actually do have. And I think this is part of our human nature, which is why it's so important that we intentionally push back on this paradigm and this perspective. Jess gave uh, Eli, because Christmas is coming up, a magazine. I'm like, you know, like, what's he going to do? He's like, here's a toy magazine, and here's a marker. Just pick a couple things that you like in here. He hands her back the magazine, and every single, like, the whole thing is circled. Like, it's all, like, I'll just, I'll get one of each. Like, that's fine, right? Like, and I think we think this way often, right? We think this way. But I don't think that, and, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but 
I don't think that it's that we need more provision. I think it's that we need more perspective. Because if we really look around at the things we have, if we take an inventory of all that God has given us, nine times out of ten for most of us, it's not that we need anything additional. It's that we need more perspective. And, you know, gratitude is really this shift in perspective. And it's something that it takes work. It takes us coming in at like moments like just singing out God's goodness, even if sometimes it feels unnatural for us to do so because we're suffering, we're in pain, we're struggling. We have to constantly shift our perspective and see all of the goodness of God and what he's doing. I may have shared this with you before, but one of the things that we started to do as a family during our Sabbath time is sit down on Friday nights. We have pizza, we watch a movie. Before we do any of that, we sit down around the table and it's chaotic because we have young kids, right? But we, what, what I do is I kind of pry out of them. Hey, Sherry, what's the coolest moment that happened this week, right? What's something awesome that happened? Or what's something you're just really, really excited about right now? And then we have these conversations and we share these moments and there's such great relational moments. And at the end, what it gives me the opportunity to do is like, man, all that stuff comes from God. All that stuff is a gift from God. All those moments are moments that God has given us this week, and we're continuing to try to, as a family, shift our perspective and continue to point back to what James tells us, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not shift like, like does not change like shifting shadows. And I just... I just want to read this one more time because I think I really want to kind of hammer this home. And it seems straightforward, but maybe this is an exercise that you can do at home. So when I read this, I just want you to fill in the blank. Every good and perfect gift is from, every good and perfect gift is from, well, not that I earned it, right? That that's mine, but every good and perfect gift is from above. It's a gift. Even the things that we've worked for, God has given us that opportunity to work for that, to earn that, and to see that gift come through. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And this one concept really is earth-shattering if you can wrap your arms and your heart around it. Because while there is a tendency in our society to worship the gifts themselves or worship ourselves for how we acquired them, the Bible points everything back to the giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. There's a parable, or there's actually this moment in Scripture where Jesus uh, heals these men, these ten men, and uh, they go on their way, and they're excited, obviously, because uh, they've been healed. And then out of all those ten guys, only one guy comes back to Jesus, and when he comes back to Jesus, Jesus answered, and he said, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Are we responding to God in that kind of way? Are we responding with gratitude? The more that we respond with gratitude, the more that we can be entrusted by God with the things that he gives us. So before you ask for more, I just want to encourage you, take an inventory of what you already have. Stop. Give thanks. I'm not going to go through the list of the things that we have, the, the opportunities that we have here, but you can do that. We have so much that has been entrusted with us. We've got to make the most of it, but we've got to take an inventory of it first. 
And once we've taken an inventory of what we, all that we have been given, we can do the next thing, which is to take what we have and manage it effectively. It's called stewardship. The second thing that we can do to position ourselves to be entrusted with more is to manage what we do have faithfully. What are you doing with the things that you already have? What are you doing with the relationships that God has already entrusted you with? What are you doing with the resources that God has already entrusted you with? With the paycheck that he's entrusted you with? What kinds of decisions are you making? Are they decisions that honor him? Are they decisions that make sense? Because I think that one of the ways that we demonstrate, and this, this goes for an earthly parent too, right, that we could demonstrate that we should be entrusted with more is that the things that I do have, I take good care of, right? It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Command them to take what they have, do good, be rich in good deeds. So how are we managing what God has already entrusted us with? When I was in college, my dad entrusted me with a credit card, and uh, he probably would since tell you that that was a mistake. You know, I'm going off to college. He's like, here's a credit card. It did have a max limit on it, but somehow the bank continued to, like, let that limit, like, go, you know, a little bit further and a little bit further. And the bank was pretty excited because I was just racking up debt. Like, it just, at that point, it was just like, what, like just swipe that thing. I don't know. Like, I will, we'll take care of the rest later, right? It didn't make sense to me. And interestingly enough, embarrassingly enough, I was a finance major, and this was my mentality. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You know, it's credit. I, you know, we'll pay for it later. You know, there's probably a fee or something, but we won't worry about it. And so I continued to rack up this debt. And I got to the place where I was kind of like, what's another Jimmy John sub? Like, I could get something at the cafe. But, like, what's it matter at this point, right? Like, let's just go, let's get another meal or do whatever. And I, I'll just tell you this uh, from my own experience. It doesn't matter how pure our intention. Pure intentions don't cancel out poor decisions. And we have to deal with the consequence of not managing things effectively, right? And so I can't just call up U.S. Bank as much as I wanted to and be like, hey, guys, listen, um, I know there's kind of a lot on there, and uh, I, I had really good intentions. I, I did. I just want to spend some time with my friends in Puerto Rico on spring break. I, I, don't, I don't see what the big, you know, they, they're not looking to be like, we're going to cancel that debt. That's it's fine, right? I have to pony up and take care of that debt. I have to deal with that. My pure intentions do not cancel out my poor decisions. The, the bank honestly does not care about my intentions. Guess who else wasn't as concerned about my intentions? My dad, right? And rightfully so, because now I've gotten myself into this debt, and he's entrusted me with this credit card, and it was really, really a bad thing. Let me ask you this. Which child would you entrust your credit card with? The one who has a history of bad decisions or the one who manages it well, who pays it off, who stays up on it, who makes good decisions with their purchases, right? It's obvious, right? The good news for us, and, and maybe you've gone through a season of we haven't managed our money well or we've made bad decisions. This is not to beat you over the head with that. I should say now is a good time to start managing what you have faithfully. Now is a good time to start getting back on track and making decisions that honor God because the more that we make decisions that honor God and take care of what we have, the more that we can be entrusted with more. The good news for us is there's always time for us to become better stewards. And it's through our faithfulness that we, are demonstrate, that we can demonstrate that we can be entrusted with more. And, you know, God has entrusted us with far more than his credit card. He's entrusted us with resources. He's entrusted us with 
responsibilities. He's entrusted us with time and how we manage that. He's entrusted us with talents. So let me just ask you a few questions. How are you stewarding the mantle of leadership that you've been given? How are you stewarding the 24 hours in each day, the 365 days in each year? Let's talk about 2020 for a second because it would be easy to be like, well, let's just go ahead and put that year over here and we'll start fresh in 2021. But we've been given 2020. We have to steward this year too. We can't just sit this one out. How are you stewarding that bonus or that job that God has provided for you? How are you stewarding the role of parent, friend, gospel ambassador? I mean, these are the questions that we should be asking because God wants to entrust us with more. He wants to do more in us and through us if we would entrust our lives to him. And all these stewardship questions really lead us to get to the place where we can make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, as the Bible tells us. And what we do when we do that is we discover that where there are good stewards, there's never a shortage. Where there are good stewards, there's never a shortage. Solomon hits this one on the head when he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Those who manage faithfully will be entrusted with more. And the same is true of those who give generously, living gratefully, managing faithfully, giving generously. Command them, the Bible says, to be generous and willing to share. Paul uses an analogy that would make sense to, uh, to many of us, especially those of us that are uh, into maybe farming or planting. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you, bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I just planted some grass seed, and I can tell the spots that I missed, right, where I didn't, I was a little bit, you know, sparing in those areas. And the same is true with us in our lives, that it's those areas, the Bible tells us, where we sow generously, where we reap generously, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in the way that we give our time, whatever that might be, those that are generous are going to reap more generosity from the Lord. This past year, as for many of you guys, was a, a tough year for us, too, and just navigating and the uncertainty of it all. And, you know, really one of those areas that, that God has really kind of just leaning in on me was this topic that I got, which was trust. And like, how do I, do I trust him to get me through this, right? And so many of you, as you're reading the headlines and you're dealing with all the uncertainty of, of what could happen, like, will my job be there at the end of this year, right? Or will somebody I love be there at the end of this year? Or... You know, whatever the battle is, we have all this uncertainty um, in this time. And like many of you, I was just praying in the middle of it. I was casting all my cares upon the Lord. And one of the things that challenged me uh, was just like the, 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 the financial picture. Like, what's it going to look like if they like shut down our gym? Or what's it going to look like if they keep shutting down our church? Like, I, I was starting to get nervous about like what could happen. I'm not saying all those fears were legitimate. I'm just saying 
like many of you, I was dealing with these fears and these uncertainties, and I was just continuing to just pour out my heart to God, saying, God, I know you'll provide, and, and I believe you'll provide, and I know you'll see us through this thing. And I sensed something in the middle of it that caught me off guard, and it was just God asking the question, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Of course, I'm like, yeah, of course, God, I trust you. That's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm, I'm praying. That's why I'm asking you for provision. And then it seemed like that question keeps coming up. Do you trust me? And then the response from God just totally caught me off guard. He said, okay, next month I want you to give back everything that you make. Like, hold on, God, I don't think you heard me. Like, this is, this is the times are tight really right now. And um, the finances are all tied up and um, giving everything doesn't really make sense to me as a finance major because I don't know, that would leave me with a whole lot less, like 100% less for that month. And so the mass, and then I'm playing all these games like with myself, like no, that I don't think that was, you know, from the Lord and this resistance that we all do. But it was pretty clear, like God's like, no, I, if you trust me, I want you to do this. I want you to give not the 10%, I want you to give 100% of what you make this month and let me take care of the rest. And I'm still, you know, I'm still having this argument and, and just telling God, like, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. And how are we going to kind of make it? And how are we going to get back into a good position? And God's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that part later. First, we need to work on you trusting me. And so we did it. And to be honest with you, that point in time for me in the middle of this year was the moment where... I was not as crippled by anxiety. We did that, and we let go, and we said, you know, and God has provided time and time again, over and over again. Like, we've been fine. God has provided. Every good and perfect gift has continued to fall from heaven in so many ways, not just in our finances, but beyond that. And I just share that because I know that's difficult. I know that's hard. At the end of the day, it's not so much about God needing our resources, that's not what God wants more than anything else for you. God, God wants is your trust. He wants, to, he wants you to trust him, and he wants to entrust you with more. And so maybe there is a moment here, an opportunity for you to take a step of faith and say, we've never really given it all, and I don't know what that looks like. And maybe you're like, I just need to get in the game with like 5% a month, or maybe it's something bigger that's going to actually push you to the place where you have to trust in God. Because that's what he wants the most is your trust. He doesn't want to take your stuff from you. He just wants your trust. He wants you to be able to, to operate freely, not with being burdened by anxiety, and, but trusting with him, the one who provides us everything for our enjoyment. Do you trust him? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. Friends, my hope is not in my next paycheck. My hope is not in the next stimulus check. My hope is not in affordable health care. My hope is in God who richly provides everything for my enjoyment, who meets every need, who takes care of every source of anxiety for me if I would just trust him. All those things are nice, but, it, but my hope is truly in God, and I need to continue to put my hope in God, and I'm challenging you to do the same. Psalm 59 through 12 says, I have no need 
of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. There is no physical thing we can give God that he doesn't already have. What he wants most is you. What he wants most is your trust. Do you trust him? Well, then demonstrate it by a grateful heart. Demonstrate it by faithful decisions. Demonstrate it by being generous with your hands. Do you trust him? Because he is ready and willing to entrust you with more. Those who trust God with more are entrusted with more. I'm going to leave you with what the prophet Jeremiah says to capture this idea. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Let's go to God and ask him to continue to entrust us. Lord, we thank you so much for today, for this opportunity, this reminder, God, that you can be trusted, that you are worthy of our trust that you're not going to leave us stranded, that you're not going to leave us hanging, that you care for us, God, more than any earthly person could care for us. That you love us completely and that you will never leave us or forsake us, God. And so we just continue to lean in. We know we don't do it perfectly. We know we resist. We know that our human side gets in the way, God, but we want you to continue to build a trust in us, God. Help us to trust you more, God, and we just pray that we could prove ourselves trustworthy, that we could steward what you give us well, God, and that we could continue to use everything that we have to be even more generous than we were before. So we thank you, God, and we just invite you to speak to us, to challenge us on this, and to show us even specific ways, God, that you want us to respond over the course of this month, to demonstrate our gratitude to you, and continue to just, just show ourselves to be generous in each and every way, God. Those who sow abundantly, God, that we might reap abundantly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.